Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. <laughs> it's only funny because we were we were just joking around about me cranking the bass up on my on my channel here and it actually kind of sounded a lot like the recording of the intro when i was like dead tired that one night but i'm i'm losing my voice after being at the basketball game last night but i was playing with boosting the bass and talking yeah. like howard stern yes hey now it, it caught me off guard it wasn't quite it wasn't even on purpose. The levels weren't quite back down when, when you when you pulled in there. H- hello, this is hey hey now. This is Michael, and this is a, a truly professional podcast. We production. are we are here to serve. We wanted to talk about some um, some very pressing issues before we get to some basketball, football, and baseball news. And that pressing issue is the menu at the Houston Rodeo. One second, though. What do you got? Before we get there. Um, just a quick housekeeping update. Oh, okay. Housekeeping. We're, we're, we're cleaning house. Sorry. Oh, oh no. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I got like a really ominous email from iTunes this week about like using their best practices for metadata. And that just, all, all that means really is that like we're just going to be changing how we title the podcast episodes. So we're going to be removing the the name of the podcast and the episode number from the title. All right. It just not really a big difference. The other thing is because of the uh, Q and a episodes we did back in the fall, our episode number and our total number of episodes did not match. So last week we did episode 69. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Hey, nice. (laughs) This week we're doing episode eighty-one, and don't feel like you're missing out on twelve episodes. They're 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 all there. Just was, back in the fall, I saw when you put that in the Google Doc, and then I saw the note underneath it, and I was still confused. And and now I'm not quite as confused, so that's good. Yeah. So we did that, and then we did the uh, the other episodes. Yeah, the recaps, instant reactions, instant reactions, and the previews during right. the football season. Yeah, which is where it would be twelve episodes. That would that would make sense because we did two a week. All right. Anyways, Houston Rodeo. It seems like I, I, I made this comment to Michael. It started to look at, when I was looking at this article that they are in that same kind of race for finding the newest weirdest combination of food to fry, um, like they are doing at the state fair of Texas and Dallas, right? Where you can find such things as. Um, fried butter, fried butter, fried, fried ice cream, fried Coke, bacon wrapped butter stick or whatever it was, fried biscuits and gravy, fried Frito pie. Yes. We're not, we're not going that direction. There, there are a couple strange things, <clears throat> but this was, this was Brian's, uh, Brian's doing, he mentioned this in our chat a few weeks or a few days ago. 
And I thought, well, we've got to dive into this just a little bit. And I, and I can tell you, if you're a fan of hot Cheetos, you're going to enjoy the Houston rodeo. The Houston rodeo is the place for you. Uh, the, there are, are three dishes so far where hot Cheetos is featured quite, uh, quite extensively. One of them being the hot Cheetos cheese roasted corn and another being a hot Cheetos candied apple where they, they just, yeah, they just roll it. And so, you know how you see a candied apple rolled in crushed peanuts or something like that. It's uh, it's hot Cheetos, crushed hot Cheetos. So I, I would be much more willing to try the hot Cheetos roasted corn than the candy apple with hot Cheetos. I, I think I'd pass. I'm not a hot Cheetos guy. I, I don't think I'd even. I don't think I'd even want to try out. it. There, there's one other now jalapeno Cheetos though. That's where it's at. What? No. Yeah, jalapeno Cheetos, Mm-mm. jalapeno cheddar. There's there's like bug pizza. I mean, this is totally different than the state fair. I, I applaud it, this. It is. It's more. Uh, it's more adventurous. Yeah, pushing the boundaries of what like you can put on food rather than what you can put in a fryer. Yeah, what you can deep fry. So, hats off to Brian for sending this to us because I can't even get through all of it. There's there's so many different dishes that they're doing. Uh, we could probably spend the whole podcast on it. Um, in another life, we might. But this was what was the other thing? Uh, hot Cheeto. Cotton candy. Yes, hot, hot Cheeto cotton candy. I knew there were three of them. Uh, there was, there's this fruity pebble uh, fried shrimp on a stick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nuts, dude. It seems like, a little rough. It's like, bat, like shrimp on a, like a kebab skewer. Yeah. Then the whole thing is battered and fried, and they put fruity pebbles on top of and it. And I swear, some sort of sauce with it. Yeah, it's probably, that's probably what's holding on there. Look. The, yeah. Bubbles. Yeah. That's kind of, mm, that, that's a little much for me. Uh, there's nitro churros, which are, that means that they're spicy or no, they, they arrive as freezing. Um, Oh wait, they arrive as freezing as liquid nitrogen. That doesn't make sense. So that when you bite into them, you expel the cloudy breath of an Arctic dragon. Ooh, an the- Arctic dragon. Whatever that means. These are very adventurous. This is a this is a different ball game. This this will uh a lot of people will look at these and go, Oh, there's no way I'd try these. Whereas opposed to the state fair ones you'd go, Ah, oh, you know, it's deep fried. I'd deep I'd fried try Snickers. It. Yeah, but there's like maggot pizza or whatever <laughs> whatever they have here. I, I hats off to them. There and there's something here and I could not find what it was. You talk about the paradise French fries. Yes, paradise French fries. I don't know what it is. It looks like there's chopped brisket and cheese and jalapenos, and then there's fried little nuggets around it. Those fried nuggets could be anything. They could be chicken. They could be um, mountain oysters. I don't know, but I'd, I'd try that. That looks pretty good. And it won something, but no one says what they are. Maybe that's the secret. You don't want to know what's in the Paradise Fries. You just order them. You have no idea. There should be a Pepsi AC booth at this place. Mm. Possibly a like a Tums Tums food truck. Speaking of, I've been popping Tums like they're candy the past few days. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Some kind of ulcer or... 
I didn't mean to laugh at your ulcer or <laughs> your possible ulcer. Pancreatic cancer. Yeah, it's it's one of those three. That's that's your only option. I've had some uh, lower back pain the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's a dissecting aorta. That's what that is. Well, it's either that or uh, both of my kidneys are. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Are riddled with cancer. It's one of it's one of those two. That's what I've that's what I've learned. Yeah. All right, let's talk about basketball. Okay. This week, Texas Tech went two and zero, extended their conference win streak to eight games. They've moved to twenty five and five. That's a good number. I love it. That's very nice. Thirteen and four in conference play. You and Kansas State tied in first place. Kansas State also played last night and won. On Monday night, I should say. Come on, frogs! I know like, they, they, they kind of put up a fight at the end, but it just wasn't enough. And couldn't get their stuff together. So, really, is heading into the last weekend, um, the last last game, because both of you, Texas Tech and Kansas State, have played seventeen of your eighteen conference games, tied for first. You're going to have to win your game on the road against Iowa State. They're going to have to win their game. At home against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Who, by the way. Segway. Segway. We were interested to check out the Oklahoma-Kansas game. Of course, by the time you listen to this, you will have you will know the outcome. We were pleasantly surprised to find out. With 11 and a half minutes to go, Oklahoma has a 19-point lead. 64 to 45. Say, say that. It, that can't be right. 19-point lead? 64. To 45. Well, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's kind of see what's going on. I, I think with a projected win percentage of 99.1% for Oklahoma. <sighs> Yikes. The um, Yeah, I've got some shooting percentages here. Oh, I'd love to hear them. They do not favor the Jayhawks. What? No, they don't. Uh, OU is shooting 50% from three, 51.2% from the field altogether. That's been updated to 52.4%. Ooh, you you just missed it. I just missed one. Whereas Kansas, oh, this is great. Is five of twenty four from three, just under twenty one percent, twenty point eight percent from three. It's terrible. Okay, but let's talk about nineteen missed three point shots. They've missed nineteen of them. They'll go in eventually. It's the philosophy. It's a volume shooter, and it's not yeah. working. <laughs> this will, I'm sure. 
I'm no math major, but this loss, which I assume is going to happen unless a crazy 19 point uh, run somehow shows up in the last 11 minutes, but this loss definitely eliminates them mathematically from even getting a share of the Big 12 conference title. Yes, because they, they would have to win out. And then Texas Tech and Kansas State would both have to lose for Kansas to backdoor into another tie. Right. Also in that case, I think Baylor has a shot to be like in a four-way tie. If all, if like Kansas State, Texas Tech were to lose. Well, I just think it's mathematically impossible because the most they can win is 12 games. They're 11 and five right now. After tonight, they'd be 11 and six. So the most they could win is 12. Tech's already won 13. Game, set, match, bros. Yep. So this will eliminate the Jayhawks completely so that everyone well, won't keep throwing that little tidbit in on all the shows where you see, well, you know, Kansas State and Texas Tech are, of course, tied at the top of the conference. But Kansas. Just hanging around. Kansas just hanging around just right there. Practically, practically going to leapfrog them. <laughs> practically going to win the rest of the games and uh, somehow make them lose theirs. Yeah, yeah, it just... And keep that streak alive. They always get mentioned. There's, It's not just Kansas State and Tech. It's always Kansas State, Tech, and Kansas. But the streak is over. Maybe or maybe not. After tonight, we will know. Yeah. Yeah, if they overcome a 21-point deficit that I'm looking at right now, then, okay, we can we can say there's still a chance they could get a share, but... I think I think we're gonna call this. We're calling it. I'm calling it right now. Kansas, the streak is over. The streak is dead. It shifted to a ninety nine point eight percent win percentage for Oklahoma. I don't know how much I've seen you... better odds. <laughs> point oh niner. Is there two. a point oh two percent chance for the Kansas to come back? Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there is. But this is not a Kansas basketball podcast. Far from it actually. Quite Texas, far. Texas Tech podcast. So we're going to talk about the game on Saturday. Ooh, that was a good little voice crack. Sorry. I'm still recovering from going to the game. You were at the Texas game. Oh, I was not at the Texas game, and I was screaming my head off like a college student. You were a hooligan, practically. I was a hooligan. You were, you were hashtag Raider Riot. Yep. All by yourself. Uh, Raider Riot. I had, a, I had the disapproving arm grab from my wife, and I was screaming at a ref. When I Deservedly I, so, I'm sure. I yelled the, the out, arm grab, not the yeah, <laughs> not I, necessarily I, the screaming at the ref. I yelled out a perfectly acceptable phrase at the ref, and I asked. I it was a simple question. I was like, "What game are you watching?" <laughs> and Samantha's like, "That's too far, bro. That's too far." <laughs> I don't know what it is about those. That's just the most personal. <laughs> the the ones instead of ref, you're not any good. You, you know, okay, whatever. But the ones where it's it's just. You're bad at your job, <laughs> or, or just just something like that's really personal. Or what game are you watching? Oh, that kind of that kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, actually, I'm not. Cuts sh- a little deeper. I'm not sure what I'm watching here. I'm I'm watching this one. I'm watching this game right now, guy. I'm right here, man. I'm right here. You see me? <laughs> I'm right here. Um, but I'm pretty sure it came after. So Beard or somebody on the Texas Tech bench got re- re- received a technical. 
I can't remember if it was like a weird like underneath foul or when they called Tariq Owens for goaltending when the ball was like three feet from like in front of the rim. It was right after that. Uh, I think Owens got called for the goaltend on one side of the court and then um, we went to the other side of the court and somehow got a, a weird foul away from the ball and gave him another. It was it was weird. It was like a four point swing out of nowhere, and then they got the technical too. But I wanted to derail a little bit into the broadcast on this because when they called that technical, instead of going into what happened or even replaying it or even discussing it, they were too busy rolling their B footage of whatever piece they wanted to talk about in between action. <laughs> they were just waiting for a break. I had no idea. I. I I, we still don't know. You were at the game, and you know more than I I know. I listened to Level talk about it today, and I finally learned that I think it was on the tech bench, but he wasn't even sure why. The mm-hmm. ref didn't he, explain it. He was it. right there, yeah. Yeah, the ref didn't explain it, which I get. I would have at least appreciated the announcers on ESPN's broadcast to come back and say, there was a technical, and we really don't know what happened, as opposed to just somebody was shooting randomly, all of a sudden, there was this guy shooting a free all, throw. All by himself. All by himself. Because it was and, a technical free throw. Yeah, and then they mentioned, oh, technical called on Texas Tech's bench. And you think, well, surely they'll replay what happened or no. Yeah, because it was, it was like a, a, a bench warning and then the technical were like really close together, but there was no explanation. Like, Level said he, he overheard no explanation. The broadcast obviously didn't say there was any explanation. I forgot what that sequence was, but I remember I, I could see why Beard would be upset because something had just happened on our end of the the ball or our no oh, I know what it was uh, we were called for an offensive foul but we had made the shot mm. and so the shot didn't count it was it was something along those lines so we were robbed on both sides you know and they got to shoot a technical and so I understand why they were hot one thing I wanted to mention about the goaltends. I, I tweeted out this interesting stat. Uh, at, at one point, uh, Texas had only 22 points in the second half. Four of those were Tariq Owens. Goldtons. <laughs> Tariq Owens helping buoy the Texas offense last night. Yep. We'll get to that in a second, though. We're talking about the dismantling of the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth or as uh, United Supermarkets Arena East. My goodness. There was, it was no sit Saturday. The fans were clearly fed up with that about halfway through the game. And were sitting down. The Texas tech fans were like, Hey, this is our stadium. Now there's our arena. There were some audible Raider power chants and cheering going on during the game over the broadcast. I had, a uh, the Michaels over. Yes. We were here. We had, we had, uh, I want to brag on Spencer's chef abilities with the first attempt at smoked beef ribs. It was my first. It may be the last way. It's like tore me up. <laughs> Both Saturday and tonight, by the way. You've got I, to be. You've got to be careful with the succulent, fatty meats. And they will. They will. They will des- pack a punch. <laughs> they will destroy you. <laughs> but it was delicious. Well, well done on your first on your first attempt. I appreciate it. But yeah, we maybe, were over here. Maybe it was just like the sheer volume of meat we had. I really think that's what it was because I didn't have that much because I knew. Like you, like you said, it, it's basically burn ends, which mm-hmm. burn ends is kind of like the fattiest outer part of the brisket, and there's a lot of uh, t- 
tissue in there and all sorts of things that have melted and ingesting them can can be problematic if there's too much. Yeah. So the three of us, um, myself and Labar and McDonald, uh, we didn't finish the whole rack, but we essentially, I mean, we probably three quarters of it. Oh, more. Yeah. I'd, was, I'd uh, say that's a very good estimate. It was an eight pound rack of ribs. How many were bones? It was a pound and a half of bones. Oh man. It was a little jobbed on that side. Do they owe you like 12 bucks? I'm going to just round it up to an even three pounds. Cause that there was a lot of like really hard dense fat that I cut off too. which that's true. Anyways, I don't want to get into that again. Um, so the game on Saturday, 81 to 66, it's just your, your defense is just been like, it travels, you hit the road and it just like ridiculous. Your offense knock on wood here, um, has been traveling as well. It, it hasn't seemed to, to, to miss a beat. Like you played Texas last night. Um, their defense slowed you down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. They actually played really good, strong man defense. It still didn't do much (laughs) to slow you down, which is really shocking because of, of how, how you were struggling earlier in the season. But then again, your defense played just as well. You held them. I mean, you remember a few weeks ago when Kansas State held Texas Tech to 45 points? There was a time in the game I was like, are we going to hold them to 45 points? Uh, Texas ended the game with 51 points. 51. Um, on the road in Fort Worth, you shot nearly 57% from the field. Feeling it. 38 from three. You were actually pretty close with, with, with TCU on three. You shot 38. They shot 36. Um, but it was just the rest of your two-point game. I mean, you shot 57. They shot 39. I think that's what kept getting them back in it because, you know, halftime, you'd only allowed 25 points. Uh, you were up by 18, 43 to 25. And you thought, well, this is kind of over. But they rattled off some big plays at the beginning in the first few minutes of that half, and Tech went on a drought. I don't know if Tech scored for the first three and a half minutes. Mm-mm. All of a sudden, Tech was only up by seven. That lead had kind of shrunk a little bit. And, and then, then very quickly, yeah. Texas Tech went on an 8-0 run. So yep. the, the seven-point lead went up to eight – sorry, went up to 15. Yep. And then you just kind of – Coast, you didn't then coast, you, but you, you, you held serve. Right. You knew that that was – once you hit that, everyone kind of took a collective breath and thought, okay, well, I think that's that. You actually did win by 15. Right. And you know what? I think we're forgetting the Oklahoma State game because that was Wednesday after we recorded. So there were actually oh, three, three games. That was between the – Between now and the last recording. Right. That one was the one that went into overtime when Lindy Waters was outside of his mind. Yes. He hit four three-pointers in the last minute of game time to force overtime. I, I remember watching this game. I was I was at church, and I had it like playing on my phone um, while we were kind of winding down. Like a minute and a half to go, you're up by six. So like, oh, we're, at that point, I felt pretty good. I didn't turn the phone off, but I was like, I feel pretty good about this. I did too. Because 
maybe a minute or so before, like Oklahoma State had come all the way back and tied the game or whatever. Or it got really close within a point or tied. Um, and then you pushed a six-point lead out really quickly. And like with a minute and a half to go, you had that six-point lead. And you're like, oh, okay. Like Oklahoma State fought back. You punched back. You you enlarged the lead. And it just kind of felt like it was over. But then, like, my goodness, Lindy Waters, uh, like I said, hit those four three-pointers. Um, Davide Moretti, I think, was like six of six in the last minute of free throws. He went 12 for 12 in the entire game. Um, every time that Tech inbounded the ball, it went to Moretti, and then he, he was fouled, and he was perfect on the night from free throws. I think his season percentage is up near 94%. Wow. Which is stupid good. And it might be higher than that. In I think this is the one that they always quote on the ESPN broadcast. His Big 12 percentage is even higher than his season percentage. So he's he's ramped it up somehow as the season's gone along. That was one of those games that I was keeping track of it kind of the same way as you, through my phone, best way I could. I finally caught the broadcast, the radio broadcast for probably the last three or four minutes of play, and then I was able to watch over time. But that was a that was a heck of a game by Oklahoma State, man. They yeah. you know, Waters, you've got a guy that, that shot seven for ten from three, just like you said, just out of his mind beside himself. He he could have won any game of horse against any person that night and, you know, had 26 points. You kind of feel for the team because they've had so much adversity. They're just – they're putting people in jerseys with no names on them. Because they just don't have them. They don't have the names. They're just trying to, to do everything they can to even just feel the team. And then, uh, you know, just to mention Moretti, how well he played, he was the high point. With 20, I think mm-hmm. Culver had 19. And it was mentioned on the radio broadcast, I believe, that in practice, that's, you know, they'll be in the middle of a practice, they'll be running, going hard, and then out of nowhere, all right, all right, Davide, free throws. And and he'll have to, you know, get up to the line and shoot two free throws. So it's just kind of, he knows that's his role, and he's embraced it, and I think that's what's been uh a trip, you know, part of attributing to his success. Of course, he's a phenomenal shooter on his own, but Beard and the guys kind of throwing him off rhythm in practice because you, you know, he probably didn't expect to be tied when they were either. Mm-hmm. No, nope. and then all of a sudden, oh gosh, I've got to shoot free throws to keep us to keep us in this game. Yeah, just to talk about the the game that Oklahoma State in general had, not just Lindy Waters. They shot fifty three percent from three. I remember last year in Stillwater, they were out of their minds. That was one of those games that I think within the first ten minutes, it was yeah, it was over. It was over. They, they just you just knew that they weren't going to miss. There was nothing you could do about it. They um, shot just under forty one percent from the field. You shot just just under forty two percent, which is is a testament because your free throw. No, sorry, you're not your free throw. Your three point. You shot fifteen point eight percent. Jeez, you still shot forty two percent from the field, which means you you didn't miss basically from inside the arc. Um, <clears throat> Oklahoma State out rebounded you. No, sorry, you out rebounded them, but um, you forced more turnovers. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was a close game. You feel lucky to have, have made it through and win um, for sure, for sure, and to have that as like a learning experience because. 
when a team shoots as hot as Oklahoma State does, that's not a game that you're normally going to win. Like those are those are hard games to keep up with. Kind of like the one the of Jayhawks those, right now. Well, or one of those Baylor games too. For us, we're six minutes to go. Baylor was on fire. Oklahoma's up by twenty-two. Seventy-three fifty-one. My goodness. All right, and then this last game was last night uh, for us. Monday night, just for the general listening public, where you defeated the Longhorns seventy to fifty-one on Senior Night, the last game of the season at United Supermarkets Arena. You moved to seventeen and one at home for the second straight year. And over Beard's now three seasons with Texas Tech has a fifty and five record at home. So the first year he only lost three home games. Wow. Which you would like okay, that that's really good. Next two years, he's lost one game each. Last year, um it was Kansas, this year was Iowa State. So they've both been um conference games sorry i don't know why i blanked on that um and then you've got like a 48 or 47 game non-conference home win streak too that's intact last night um i'm gonna say it wasn't close watching the game being at the game it felt a lot closer than it was uh texas took the lead for 20 seconds had the lead for 20 seconds um once texas tech took the lead back from them I think it was like with 15 minutes to go, it wasn't, it, it was Texas never tied after that and they never led. Right. Um, and I, I was telling Samantha that they were just, it was an intense game. Um, just because of the atmosphere, because of all the things that were going on, the, the stakes of the game, just the officiating kind of feel like it felt like it was unfair but then again, I, like the worst of it really felt like, okay, we're screaming at the refs and you know, the, the fans are chanting ref, you suck ref, you suck. Um, it was like a 20 point game at that, at, at that time. It was like, Oh, it actually, as close as this game feels, you're up by 20 points. It's, I think we're going to be okay. Right. We, we talked about that before the broadcast. It kind of felt the same way at home. You just had a feeling that, Things weren't really going to go your way. Uh, Odiase and Owens and Moretti. I think Moretti had four fouls. He had four, and it was there was a lot of time left. Like a he, lot. He's going to foul out. If he's yeah, and and Owens and Odiase had at least three with a lot of time left. And, and Dan was bringing that up in our Slack chat, and it was a worrisome bit of information. And the just the way the officiating was going, and the way momentum was kind of starting to go Texas way. You, you were starting to get nervous at home and it wasn't until about the last five or six minutes you you look down and you're up by 15 or 17 or whatever it was and you finally, oh, yeah, I think this is fine. <laughs> I, I think we're going to eke by with a another dominating Big 12 win. Yeah, so at halftime you had a nine-point lead. Uh, Texas hit, I think, two threes right there towards the end of half to, to close it to nine. Um you start the second half and you hit a three and like nine was as close as it was as it ever got. Cause you got to 12, uh, real early in the second half. Then you outscored them 
by 10 points in the second half mm-hmm. to push your nine point lead to 19 to win. Um, gosh, you shot 50% from the field. You were 25 of 50. That was an easy, easy math for me. 50% from three. Also easy. That was, this worked out. Cause I'm looking at the Texas tech it's box easy. score and yeah. they don't have percentages. They just, Oh, they do. I'm stupid. I'm looking at the wrong spot. I was looking at the, at the numbers and it was 25 of 50 from, from the field, nine of 18 from three. Uh, your free throws weren't as good as you had hoped. You were 11 of 16. Uh, so just under 69%. Um, you were two for two in the first half, nine of 14 in the second. Um, you shot the three in the second half. It, it, you basically couldn't miss. You were seven of ten in the second half. You were two of eight in the first. Um, you had big games from basically everybody. Um, you had sixteen points from Culver, fifteen from Mooney, eleven from Moretti, twelve from Francis. He was he, he was hitting some some great shots. Um, Odiase and Owens both had three points but still they played big roles in the game. They were affecting a lot of shots. They were bruising just down low. They were just, they were keeping Texas from wanting to drive. So they were settling for a lot of like mid range jumpers. Right. Which is kind of a feat when you consider that like they had Jackson Hayes down low and like they wanted nothing to do with that, that they didn't want to go down low. Um, Hayes, I think had two or three blocks early against you and that kind of affected your offense in the first half. Then your, your, your three point shots started falling. So their defense kind of opened up a little bit in the second half. Cause early on it was like Hayes was affecting everything. He was, <clears throat> he, he was even affecting the ESPN coverage because there was a section of this game as I've already ranted on before a different section where they talked about how tall he was and how great he was. And, and the way they, they did that was they showed a split screen of the game on one half of the screen and then him sitting on the bench on the other half. Didn't they do that with, um, they did that three or four times, but didn't they do that with, um, Mo Bamba a couple times oh, probably. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, he's, yeah, on the, he's on the bench. Why, why are we looking at Mo Bamba? I remember it because they were fawning all over him last year while Keenan Evans was just dropping the game-winning shot. Like, yeah. oh, like, there's a Mo Bamba's face always crying. Yeah, on nine toes. <laughs> on nine functioning toes, Keenan Evans was was just kicking him out of the gym. So as much as I say that Jackson Hayes was was blocking everything, the the Texas Tech box score officially list zero blocks for Hayes. They had one block for Jericho Sims and then two blocks for Kamaka Hepa. Hmm. So Sims was number 20. Hepa was 33. Hayes had zero. He had six points in 22 minutes and zero blocks. It's impressive when you, you command 25 NBA scouts in the building because some of those were invariably there to see Jackson Hayes and you control him to six points, four rebounds, and zero blocks. Right, and I didn't even know, this is terrible, uh, this other kid, Febers, Febers? Febris. Febris. This is how little I follow teams not named Texas Tech. 
Dude, he played the entire game. He did, and he all was forty minutes completely neutralized. Four points. Yes, he played forty minutes and scored four points on one of ten from the field. O of five from three. Two free throws. We hit one shot from the field and then hit two free throws. Yeah. It was in his best night. Yikes. I, I wanted to point out something that I heard on the broadcast or uh, on Double T 97.3 today. Shout out to Choice Woodman for this one. Did you know that Chris Beard has now won more games at Texas Tech in three years? Then Shaka Smart has won at Texas in four. Oof. Yikes. Chris Beard right now is 68 and 29. That's good for .701. Shaka Smart is 61 and 59. And that's right at .508. Oof. Um, There was also some some stats I'm going to steal. I don't remember who said it, but it was off of that radio, uh, 97.3. That and this is just looking back at Texas Tech history, the past couple coaches. Um, your your Big Twelve record of the past two years, you've won twenty five games so far, and this this was even before Monday. So you've won twenty six now. Your twenty six conference wins <clears throat> was more than twenty six conference wins. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Over the past two seasons. Oh, okay. I got you. Sorry. The last two years with Chris Beard. I'm with you now. I'm, I'm, my apologies. <laughs> sorry. I'm, that's I'm that's my fault. I've, I've got that pulled up, Spencer. Hang on. It's, yeah, we've, uh, we were 11 and seven last year and we've won 13 so far this year. So we've won 24. Okay. So 24 conference games as of now in the last two years. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to scroll back to what I actually said because I'm I'm no, I'm going to mess it up if I don't read it to you. Um, okay, Texas Tech has more Big Twelve conference wins this year. Sorry, let's just do that this year than Pat Knight had in his three complete years combined. Yikes! And and th- this was before the game. Texas Tech has more Big Twelve conference wins the past two seasons. So not even all of Beard's time at Texas Tech, just the past two seasons. Then the combination of Chris Walker, Billy Gillespie, and Tubby Smith over their five combined years. Just goes to show you, those years under Chris Walker and Billy Clyde were ugly. They were rough. There's a 1-17 in in there somewhere. 1-17. Yeah, the three Pat Knight years, I, I looked them up. Of course, he became a coach. He took over midseason. 2008? Yeah, the, the 2007 8 season. And then he had three full seasons after that three wins, four wins, five wins. Oof. Because I, I was there for Bob Knight's 900th and 901st win. And I think it was. I was there very soon yeah. after that when he was like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I was there for. You know what? I think my friend and I, Adam, my friend and, oh my gosh, my friend Adam and I, there we went is. to that game expecting it to be his 900th game or whatever it was. And Tech was down. They were playing terrible. We left. <laughs> we went to the strip 
But there was there were a lot of seats. There were a lot. There, there was not a huge uh, a following of the program even at that time. And we started listening to the radio, and I'll be dang if they didn't win the game. I think they came back and won that game pretty well. And we were we were out at docks or something, getting some beverages for the evening. Which is funny because you had to go so far out to do it. Yeah, that was back before you were allowed to buy packaged alcohol within the largest the largest city in the United States that didn't allow you to do that. Oh, it was a Wednesday night over number 10 Texas A&M. So did they come behind? Is am I th- am I remembering it correctly? I'm not sure because it was a 68 to 53 win. So if they came from behind, it was pretty convincing. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of something else. It was an upset. Yeah, because uh, the Aggies were, were ranked 10th. They right. were 15 and one at the time, one and zero in Big 12 play. It's an article here from Harold Net from Everett, Washington. I don't know why they were covering Bobby Knight other than it was a historic evening. But this writer says the Aggies looked frazzled and out of sync most of the game. A&M went 18 for 53 from the field in its worst shooting performance of the season, and they turned the ball over a season-high 20 times. Martin Zeno scored 19 points. Trevor Cook added a career-high 14 for Tech, who was 10 and 6 at the, or 9 and 6 at the time. You know what? Maybe it wasn't 900. It was... Is it 901? It was the one that he had to have... Maybe it was 880. There, there was some other notch. It, maybe it was when he was beating a coach. When he was surpassing a certain coach. That was the game that we that we left for. Gosh, I'm sorry. That's That was a fun rabbit hole to go down. I'll okay. try to look it up and see what it actually was someday. So the article I was just quoting for the 900th win came on January 15th of 2008. Article dated February 5th, 2008. Bob Knight resigns. Yeah. He was, it still blows him up. Like it was, and not like, like the end of the season. Like that, that's the, basically the middle of conference play. He's like, no, I'm done this year. Thanks guys. No, I, I Go can't remember. Down and get ready for my, for the retirement. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was, that was a weird way to go. And I do know that it was one of those games where he, he passed somebody. I think that's what it was. Cause it was probably Oh seven possibly 06 when we actually did that it was it was it was a while back so all right that's basketball you've got one game remaining on your regular season this weekend against iowa state on the road they play on wednesday so you you get the benefit of an extra couple of days of rest and scouting right because they like i said they, they play wednesday they're not even playing tonight Ooh, oklahoma final 81 to 68 Jayhawks are eliminated. The streak baby. is over. Streak is over. Mathematically eliminated from any share of the Big Twelve title. So the interesting thing about the Iowa State game tomorrow, really quickly, is that they're on the road against West Virginia. So not like the you know din of horrors or whatever, but it's still like you're on the road against a team that it's possible could beat you in a place that's kind of hard to travel. Yeah, to and from. Not that I think Texas Tech needs any help from West Virginia to make the game any more 
meaningful winnable or meaningful on Saturday because the outcome of the game tomorrow from Iowa State's not really a big deal. And the big picture when you're talking about the Texas Tech conference race. However, like I said, they play out on Wednesday night and then turn around and come home on Saturday. Whereas you played, I'm so sorry, you played Monday and then get a couple extra days to travel up to Ames. I wonder if they're I wonder if they're driving. Just taking just just take taking a drive. Four hour drive. We've got time. It's a long way, man. Got a few days. So I remember I offered to drive Alan Bowman up to Ames. Nobody took me up on it. It's probably why we lost the game. No, he played names. We, we I know, but we were we were concerned he couldn't fly. Oh, well, we were concerned he couldn't make the trip to Dallas too. Oh, definitely would TCU. Definitely would have driven him to Dallas, and I think he actually did. I think somebody did drive. I him. think he did drive. Okay, that's a great segue because I want to talk about football next. We've got some football news. We do. Spring practice is finally here, you guys. It started on Sunday. First of 15 spring practices, including the three scrimmages. All three of those will be open to the public. I think practice two is today, which is Tuesday. And then I think there's one more tomorrow or Thursday that will be open to the media. So we'll get some more news, notes, clips, video, pictures, all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, folks. Mm-hmm. This was a good weekend to have an indoor practice facility. Dude, this cold came out of nowhere. Yes. Again. I mean, it's still technically winter, right? But well, it's, yeah, we're, of course. We're, we're, we're March 3rd. Yeah, right? we're at the tail end of winter here, but... Like we had 14 goodness. degrees this morning. Yeah, 14 this morning, 14 or 16 Sunday on Sunday. morning. It, it, was, it was really... It had been a rough day to try to practice outside. Yeah, that would have been bad news. So thank you, Boosters. And whoever else was involved with the IPF. So that actually reminds me, do you want to talk about Beard and the rumors of him being linked at least with other coaching possibilities? Or are you going to leave that for later? Uh, we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, I don't know much aside from I've UCLA keeps getting brought up. So it, and really of course Texas, but mainly I think Texas is driven by that one guy on Twitter that constantly talks Texas takeover. Oh five. Yeah. He and I had a, a good little back and forth for a couple tweets. I was like, he seems like a fun guy. It, it gave me tired head. And <laughs> I, I tweeted that on my, my personal account. Like, I don't know how people do like interactions on Twitter. Cause it's never like cordial. It's no. never like, it's never, it's just, it's troll fest. And it's never one and done. Everyone needs the last word. And then you realize that you're also one of the people that need the last word and it just keeps going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I let these these guys have the last word. I was like, I'm I'm not even gonna spend effort to rebut this stupid, stupid comment. Um, okay, let's actually do that later. Let's not talk about that. Okay, um, works for me. The, the thing I did want to say, there were some some connections from Chris Beard to the possible UCLA opening. Um, I did see somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it from. That from the UCLA side that Chris. Beard was termed untouchable. Say what now? In this, in the sense that like they couldn't get him for whatever reasons, or like if it's a money issue or or what. Well, his his girls don't play basketball in L.A. No, nope. they play basketball in Abilene. And that's a bit of a uh, advantage 
for Lubbock. Also, quite a bit of a buyout for for Chris Beard. Now, it, it, for UCLA, it would be a little less because there is a stipulation in his contract. Basically, says if a Big Twelve team buys out Chris Beard's contract, they have to pay forty percent of the remaining balance. But if it's a non-Big Twelve team, they only have to pay twenty percent. So that's interesting that they would even. Why wouldn't it be a hundred? I don't know. Hmm. Probably Beard's agent trying to make him still seem a desirable asset. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Anyways, the the thing I want I want to bring up was in connection to Chris Beard being untouchable and like or unattainable or how you want to phrase that. They said another name to be aware of for the UCLA job is TCU's Jamie Dixon and his giant cardboard cutout behind the goal. I love that cutout. <laughs> so just something to keep your eyes on. Uh, Texas thinks they can just money whip Chris Beard, and I don't know how that would happen. Not even I don't even think they. It has to be money. They think he'd probably take a pay cut. Well, here's the thing for the for the glorious. Op- opportunity to don the burn orange and sit around with Bebo and whatever, and have a minister of culture infiltrate his helping helping his system. Yeah, um, because the 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 buyout for Shaka Smart for Texas to fire him is just it's ridiculous. I think currently it's like greater than fifteen million. Yeah, was it you that I, I saw this tweet and it may have been you that tweeted it? If Tex if Texas hired. Chris Beard, they would be out twenty two million bucks mm-hmm. that was to me. pay Shaka and to pay pay Beard's contract before and he even set foot on campus. Twenty twenty two million dollars. Before you start talking about his his contract, yeah. Good gosh. That's like, nothing for them though. They probably earned that today in the Permian. Sure, but you could also Jerks. be like could we put twenty one million dollars to another head coach somewhere else? I don't know. Anyways, we're going to talk about football real, real quick. Yes, let's Sorry, do it. That was a distraction back to to basketball. Um, let's talk about a couple of, of, of news tidbits that came out, and then we'll, we'll talk about a way too soon depth chart, which I was happy to, to put together based on some. I see this. So some news. Um, I don't think it's news anymore, but McLean Carter had surgery on his ankle and be missing about half of the spring practices. They said, or they, sorry, they said best case scenario, he should be back for the last couple of weeks. Spring practice obviously sets him back learning and operating the system with David Yost uh, behind Bowman, Colt Garrett, and Xavier Martin, who has rejoined the quarterback's room. That's interesting to me. The thing that I thought was interesting was when they asked um, Matt Wells about it. It's like, well, we, we will give guys looks where they want to play. That doesn't necessarily mean that's where they will end up. Like Xavier Martin could still be moved back to receiver or to another position. But I think coming in, the coaching staff was like, okay, you think you want to play quarterback? Let's give you a shot to play quarterback under this new system. If it works, great. If it doesn't, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Back to where you were, and we just keep on going. Keep on moving. So... Um, there was that, there's some news about a couple guys that have not been participating yet. I would assume for injury related issues, um, Tejon Henry being one of them in that note that I saw 
uh, with Tejon being out, so was, who is he working out with? Um, Jalen Lane, maybe? Or Octavius Morgan. It was Oct- Octavius Morgan. Octavius Morgan and Tejon Henry were working out today, but not with the team practice. Or not today, on, on Sunday. Um, let's see, other other bits of news. Really interesting to see like how the defensive line groups get split up with the two defensive ends and then the nose tackle. And then the one of the outside linebackers being a more of a rush end, and the other outside linebacker being more of a safety. Um, I did get some a little more clarity on who's going to play safety for this team. You remember that was a question I had a little while ago. Uh, there was some video released from the practice session where it was looking at coaches and they were doing, they were coaching their individual position groups, which is great because it showed me, okay, Kerry cooks, the safety's coach. It showed me who was with his group. Okay. So I was able to see that he had, um, guys like Adrian Fry, Douglas Coleman, Thomas Leggett, Quincy Addison, um, with him. I, I wrote this down in my notebook and I did not bring that home with me today. Um, whereas, you know, earlier it was like, well, everybody has the same kind of body shape, right? So you weren't sure who was a corner and who was a safety. Um, but really interesting to see how it's going to shake out with, with those, those two hybrid positions and the defensive line. Um, but let's talk about a depth chart. Please. You've done a lot of work on this depth chart. Well, it's not like a lot of work. Um, at quarterback, not a big surprise here, Alan Bowman. Um, so here's here's the thing. This this next name is only because of like who's available, like who's behind Bowman because McLean Carter's not practicing. Xavier Martin's been there for one day. And then the only guy left is basically Colt Garrett. So – Take that with a grain of salt. This is practice one. Um, your running backs took a big hit, but Sir Roderick Thompson uh, was running with the first team on defense. I would assume Tejon Henry would be first team um, once he's fully healthy and participating. And so, then, so where's Jet Duffy in all this? That's a good point. I don't. I did not consider that. I don't know. Well, I, that's. <laughs> My only thought was as soon as, as, as soon as you as left I, him off, left. as soon as you left him off that list, I did a quick Google and thought, oh my gosh, did he transfer? And I didn't know what happened. I don't want to sound like a complete moron. That's a really bad oversight on my part. Okay, well, I would imagine Jet Duffy would be probably QB two over over Garrett, unless yes. he's still recovering because he may be recovering from. Um, I believe he had injuries at the end of the year as well. That's a good point. So your depth chart may still be right. <laughs> I just that I don't know much. I don't know much about our players and and where they fall and everything. But I thought I think there's a name missing. Yep, there's there's a big name missing. Okay, let's go to receivers. Okay, I, sounds I, good. I feel a little more confident here. Um, outside receivers TJ Vasher and Seth Collins. We saw that Seth Collins was moved from inside to outside receiver. Makes sense with his size. Um then last year you saw Caden Leggett step in for TJ Vasher when he was being inconsistent in the times that he went down briefly with injury. And then Eric Ezukanma um backing up Seth Collins on the other side, which would have been Antoine Wesley's side, which we saw him there last year on the left side. 
saw him there last year early in the season while he played those couple games before uh, sitting out for a red shirt. Made some good plays too. He did. I think he like Colt Garrett's one pass that season was a 40-yard touchdown to Eric Ezukon. Oh, what a strike. It was a beautiful strike. Um, and then you got inside receiver uh, Dalton Rigdon. This is the guy that everybody was kind of raving about. He and um, Caden Leggett were talking about like last fall as guys that were performing. That would be a surprise guy. Um, and the other inside guy is that is uh, Sterling Galbon or Galbon. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Shocker. That should not surprise anybody. That sounds good to me. Um, he's the guy that's coming in like, oh, he's going to be a slot receiver guy from day one. He's You've seen like workout and footwork videos and just stupid good for his age. I think he's a freshman or two, uh, not true freshman. I think he's a red shirt. I'm sure. I don't. I'm like really hesitating here. So confident in all this now that you're putting me on the spot. Um, tight end, obviously, staying with Dante Thompson. He was your, your number one guy there last year. And then the Tyler Carr, one of the fullbacks from last year, getting a look at tight end. Carr's that the really big fullback that you're like, we're not sure what, what he, what's going to happen with him because he had such a, a different body size. Yeah. Um, I was like, is are they going to try to move him like the offensive line or is he going back to sixth offensive lineman on the official roster? And this is from 2018, sorry, 2017, six, four, two sixty. It's a big dude. Galbon is a red shirt freshman. So he, he was with the team last year, red shirted. Um, Tyler Carr red shirted last season as well. He's a sophomore, or is a sophomore. Um, you've got incoming guys at the tight end spot that you would, you'd think are going to contribute there. Simon Kuntz, and then, not Simon Kuntz, Travis Kuntz. Simon Gonzalez is the, the high school guy that's already here. Um, and then your offensive line. Starters would be left tackle Travis Bruffy. He's been there for a few years now. Madison Akamnanu at left guard. Um, looks like Bailey Smith is going to be taken over at the center position for you. Uh, Jack Anderson probably going to be at right guard. He's been out for a little bit this spring. I, I say a little bit. It's like one or two practices so far. Other guys behind him are names that have been here for a while. You just haven't seen him play Zach Adams and Will Farrar. Um, and then right tackle Terrence Steele. So the only really new name along the line would be Bailey Smith at center but he did play some for Paul Stay Wars last season. Um, I'd feel pretty confident with that line coming back again. There's some good uh, seniority and depth there, experience. Defense, I think, is where it gets really interesting. And this is, again, from a... This was compiled from some notes from local Lubbock media, including... Jarrett Johnson from inside the Red Raiders. So the defensive line would include with Keith Patterson's, you got two defensive ends and a nose tackle or nose guard. Um, and it, it's going to be easier if you're familiar with the article I wrote a, probably about a month or so ago. The weak side defensive end, defensive end, um, and I, I don't know if, if I'm terming this right, it's going to be the one that's going to be opposite of the rush end. So the, the rush outside linebacker 
Um, this is going to be your bigger body. This is going to be your Broderick Washington and Nelson and Banasaur type, like your defensive tackle size body that's going to be holding down more the outside. Um, so that's why it maybe the, the strong side it may, may line up on the offensive strength. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that's all going to work out until we start seeing it in person. Uh, nose tackle, Nick McCann, Joe Wallace, and Jalen Hutchings. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a rotation of all three of those guys. Those are big, big dudes. Uh, and then your other defensive end side, Eli Howard, Lonzel Gilmore, Quentin Yonst. These are still the on-the-line guys. And then your your two hybrid positions, they're both listed as outside linebackers. One, I believe – Keith Patterson's calling the Raider position. That's going to be your your rush end. Um, you're not sure who's going to fill that spot. The the things I've seen so far have been more projections. Like um, when we talked about this on the on the articles, like Xavier Benson seems like it would be a good fit body size wise, but it's not like a sure thing, right? You still haven't seen anything. And then Jaquay Poe. Yeah, it looked look like you had something to say there. No, I just okay. I just enjoy the Raider, the yeah. Raider position. Yeah, the Raider position, and then the other outside linebacker hybrid position is the safety linebacker, um, and it looks like Patterson's calling it the spur position. <clears throat> really, the only guy that hasn't been listed elsewhere in the depth chart that I think makes a lot of sense here is Justice Parker. Yeah. It could also be Douglas Coleman if he doesn't take one of the the back safety positions, but I would assume it's probably going to be Justice Parker first and then Douglas Coleman. And this is not like a corner, sorry, a nickel back position. This is not a, a like a pass coverage. This is more of a linebacker safety. Right. Well, and that and Parker has more size to him. Yes, he does. Right. And this this is this is going to be do you, do you think like if Deshaun Johnson was here, that would be kind of more like where he could possibly play? Maybe this may be like more of like an enforcer, like body size. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't really know how that fits with Justice Parker and his okay. game. Again, this will all be a lot more fleshed out once we start seeing some scrimmages and more full team stuff. Um, inside linebackers, I, there, there's no real question here. You're going to see. A starting group of um, Jordan Brooks and Rico Jeffers. Brain Stringer is going to be in there. And then uh, redshirt freshman Patrick Curley. Your cornerbacks. You're just really trying to see who's going to, to, to step up. You, you've got Desmond Smith still. Um, he was a pretty, pretty sizable liability in pass coverage last season. Octavius Morgan should be in there somewhere once he – Assuming he gets that extra year of eligibility and he's healthy, um, newcomer, the guy that you'll, you'll, you may see rotating there, John Davis. And the other side, you've got Demarcus Fields and Jalen Lane. Um, and then your safety group, again, from that group of guys as we kind of depicted or pulled apart from that video, Adrian Fry, Douglas Coleman, Thomas Leggett, Quincy Addison. This just, the talk of Adrian Fry just makes me excited to watch him play again. Dude was just, unbelievable in, in coverage as a true freshman he was and it seemed like he had a few a few freshman mistakes the early you know the early games and then all of a sudden you forgot he was a freshman the guy was able to get a hand on a ball 
he just he just knew where it was falling. He was step for step with guys. I I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him again for three more years. Really, hopefully, unless he gets unless he gets called up to the bigs. Unless he gets that that, that call up, yeah. yeah, gets that call. I think that's how that works. So, like I said, way too early depth chart projections from compilations of all the things I've seen so far. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated. That was that was really impressive how you were able to do all that. It wasn't like I said. It wasn't all me. Like I, I'm not at practice. I'm I only know, reporting but, from what I think of, what I think I know. But you gathered it all. You, you like picked and plucked from here and from there and because the, I, I wouldn't there were know some, where to start. There were some depth charts that I saw that did not include Eli Howard. It was like, dude's gonna play. I don't I don't know why he's not on on this certain depth chart. He's he's was a starter for like the entire season. Did not include Joe Wallace. This is probably how I missed on Jet Duffy. I just I didn't remember. Like I was looking through all, all the I was being really careful about the defensive side because that's that's where the the new positions are and you're just trying to figure out everything like that. But you want to talk about some some combine stuff from this past weekend? Yeah, just a little bit. I don't know if I want to get into combine measurables or anything, but Dakota Allen had a had a good week. He did. If if y'all haven't seen, so did Antoine Wesley, but Wesley did as well. Um, and the, the thing I was really trying to refer to on that was he wrote an open letter to NFL GMs and it posted a smart move on his part. Agreed. I mean, he, he came out, uh, fully transparent in front of, you know, in front of the potential drama or potential controversy or whatever there could be in drafting him. He came out ahead of that and, really just showed the kind of character that he has owned up to it, you know, owned up to his mistakes, knows that it was, uh, you know, one time or, or not, or whatever it was, it was unacceptable, and he doesn't even pretend to act like that it was. I don't, I don't, I read the whole letter. There's no excuses involved. Just very straightforward. And I thought a very smart you know, you don't want to say it's a PR move, but it is, but it, I know it's, it's definitely a PR move. Yeah. It's definitely a PR move, but it's also, I don't, it's, it's not, um, false or fake. He's, he seems like he's, you know, writing this in, uh, in earnest and just kind of wanted to get it out there. But if you haven't read it, go ahead and read it. It, it kind of goes into a little bit more of his mindset. Um, when he first got to tech kind of where his mindset was when he got into trouble, when he went to JUCO and when he came back. And I I just wanted to read the very last of it because I had forgotten this first part. So here's just the last few uh, sentences of his letter. After I returned to Tech in 2017, before I even took the field, I was voted a team captain. Given what had happened, where I had been, and how many of my teammates I felt I'd let down, it was something that really helped me heal. To have their confidence in me meant everything. To me, that's redemption. It reminded me that I'm destined to be remembered as more than just a player who was kicked out of Texas Tech or some kid who appeared on a Netflix show. I know that the best chapter of my story is still waiting to be written, and I hope it's with your organization. Sincerely, Dakota Allen. I think he, I think he nailed it. 
I think he good. did a great job on it. And and he even mentioned this this other aspect of, of you know a couple of paragraphs ab- above about how football never felt like work. It was just was always kind of a dream. And then he touted his resume, basically saying, "Hey, air raid offenses are in the NFL. Guess what I played against and excelled playing <laughs> against for years." So you mm-hmm. might consider that when you're looking at draft IQ and uh, whatnot, uh, the other immeasurables that come along with, with draft stock. But, you know, it, I, I want to see him succeed. Definitely want to see Wesley succeed, all these guys. But uh, Dakota Allen for sure. Yeah, the, so they the athletic department put out some, like, combine highlight videos from these two guys. One of the things I, I remember specifically over – over the weekend was um I don't know why it's stuck with me, but Dakota Allen's cone drill, I think the, the three cone drill. And they, they compared him to other linebackers in the class. He finished with the second fastest through that drill. So this is like an agility drill. Um he finished second fastest. So it's like of, of all the linebackers and all the the and it's impressive at his size too. He's, he's, yeah. he's a pretty big guy. Um any of these guys like, doing this? Hundreds of a second off of being the fastest. Jeez. And then I, I just thought of one other thing, and I, I, this is kind of invalidates all of my whole work on this. Um, your inside receiver, Dalton Riggins, is probably going to be your second guy and not your first guy because you know there's a name I forgot. It's Keyshawn Carter. Oh, yeah. He's he, definitely going to be He's got to be your starter. He's got to be there. So bump Dalton Riggins and Sterling Galvin back one spot, throw Keyshawn Carter in the front. Throw Jet Duffy in the quarterback room somewhere. Well, when does that when does that tight end transfer get here? Um, Koontz will be here in the summer. Okay. Simon Gonzalez was the the high school guy. He's already here because he came with the um, at the same time as the um, Wellington offensive line, the six eleven dude. Oh, that's I'm right. They, on his name, uh, Trevor Roberson. Trevor Roberson. So. The other thing from this weekend's combine, um, it just it the headline grabbed my attention. I don't even remember what the headline was, but it was essentially that like Kyler Murray um, bombs this one aspect of the combine. Like I don't I don't think he did anything in the combine. He he went there to be measured, right? And then like set the record straight that he's not five eight. He's actually a legit five ten, which that was a surprise to me. But this this guy that wrote this as an article, um, I I'm not familiar with him, but he claims that like he's been covering the combine for decades and he's spoken to a lot of NFL GMs. And he said like the feedback he's receiving from Kyler Murray's interview at the combine was that it was bad. Oh, well, and like like red flag bad. We've talked about a his interview with Dan Patrick the week of the Super Bowl was bad. Which, He's at, just, at the time, I thought it was like, well, he just wasn't ready to to make a statement on baseball versus football. Maybe he's just really bad at answering questions. Maybe so. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to read this quote from the article. It says, Murray better hope Kingsbury takes him number one because this was not good. These were the worst comments I ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time. Leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. The board work, below not good. Not good in any of those areas, raising concerns about what this guy is going to do. Now, people will say, we're going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. We're going to run an offense like Mahomes. 
We're going to run an offense like Baker Mayfield. But those guys are much different. Those guys, you never question them about their ability on the board. You never question them about their leadership ability, their work habits. They were outstanding in those areas. This guy is not outstanding in those areas, and it showed up in the interview. Scathing. Yeah, this is like, like if if he if he doesn't know how to like to draw up stuff on a board, if he doesn't can't lead, if he's not studying, it's like, like you can't survive on like athletic talent alone as a rookie in the in the NFL. No, you've got to have some IQ to Especially go. Especially as it. like a, a smaller guy. Yeah, he's going to be really hard to, to tackle. Like we've yeah. seen that. Yeah, but <clears throat> there's going to be someone in the NFL that's going to be able to. S- reduce his escapability that we, 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 we didn't see that happen in college, but on the, on the professional level, somebody's going to be able to do it. He's going to have to be able to game plan and figure out how to work around that. Kind of sounds, uh, I don't want to quite make this comparison. It kind of sounds Manziel esque without the extracurriculars. That That's a good comparison. Without the the off field like yeah. glaring off field issues, like well, yeah, because as far as we know, Kyler Murray doesn't have the same type of social life that that Johnny Manziel did, and it definitely not under the spotlight quite as much either. But these other these other things may have been things that Manziel was uh, guilty of as a rookie. I'm sure he's learned from that now, and you know, like all of us have, for starting our first job or anything like that, you, you probably just coasted as long as you could until you finally hit that point where you couldn't coast anymore. And, yeah. and people knew it, and you had to you had to figure something out really quickly. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to make the same kind of comment earlier, that this may be his talent alone has carried him this far. Like, he hasn't had to put a lot of effort into it, and it's it's apparent. Yeah. I, I was that way in high school when I was, I was um, in orchestra. Like, I was – it was easy enough to do what I needed to do in high school and then to get into college. <clears throat> but going from being the best guy in orchestra for my four years, well, not my four years, my last two years of high school. Oh, I thought you were about to say, no, my five years of high school. No, it only, it only took me four years to graduate high school. You're just having too much fun in orchestra. <laughs> Let's do it another year. Let's do a victory lap. Dang straight. <laughs> um, and then to get to, to college, you'd be like, man, it, it, I don't want to like downplay my abilities, but like on the, like a, a comparison to, to athletics scholarship, a walk on, I was like on that line between the scholarship player and a walk on player. Oh man. <laughs> um, and I got there, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, if, if I'm going to be successful, I'm gonna have to put a lot of work and it was hard. Um, and that adjustment was hard. So I, I, have a little bit of experience in, in that same kind of realm of being able to coast on sheer talent alone and not effort. So if, if, if this is what this is a reflection of for Murray, I'm interested to see how that plays out and what that transition looks like. Well, and if it becomes more of a, a bigger story, if more people pick up on it, if there's more to it, or if, if things come out, you know, if maybe Riley comes out and says, no, the, these things are, are not true or former teammates say it or anything like that could come out to kind of counter it. But you won't, that, that seed of doubt is already there, which isn't great. And it's not fair because it's, but that's the way the world works now. And so he's going to have to overcome that at least with the people who have seen this so far. 
So the guy that that um was quoted in this story. So the guy that wrote it was Jordan James. Um but the guy that was quoted was NFL network analyst Charlie Casserly, who spent nearly two decades in the NFL as a general manager. So, so someone that has the had has had the position of evaluating talent in the in the in the combine preparing for the draft. It's dealt directly with with players. Saw this interview and was like, "Hold on, guys. This is this is this is not good." In this his is words. a potential problem. Or below not good. <laughs> um, so that's something to keep an eye on, but it, it seems like all that talk from even when Kingsbury was the head coach at tech and said, you know, if I was an NFL GM and I had the first pick, I would take Murray's like, this might be Murray's saving grace. Like all this negative stuff may come out and Kingsbury may still just be like, no, it's okay. He, I can work with that. Yeah. Wh- whatever he's got, you can't teach and I can teach him the rest <laughs> because it, it seems like there is more an, Again, this is whole like smoke and mirrors game with the NFL draft and the combine. But there are rumors that Arizona is shopping Josh Rosen out to see what kind of trade value they can get back for him. I've seen those. And that was their 2018 first round pick. Well, and I saw, uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it, but there was a Mike Leach interview that kind of made the rounds on Twitter. And one of the things he just mentioned offhand was you can teach a quarterback just about anything except accuracy that you can't teach. And if, if they've got that, then you've got a lot you can start to work with. So I I don't think even if what this uh, guy said is true about Kyler Murray, he does have a lot of abilities and a lot of talents. And so he should be able to overcome that. that. Spencer's watching a he's, he's watched a commercial over there while I talk. It's an autoplay video. I'm on this this article for uh, headline NFL rumors. Kyler Murray struggled during interview at Combine. I can't stand those commercials that just pop up like that. That happens to me quite a bit. You don't even know what page you're on. I've got several pages open here, and then all of a sudden, some commercial for diabetes medicine comes on. Diabetes. Um. All right, we're going to talk about baseball for a minute, and only briefly because this is the weekend where Texas Tech was at the Frisco Classic Tournament that was only broadcast if you purchased a month-long subscription to Flow Live for $30. Yeah, it was kind of a weird tier system. I think you could get access on your computer for $12 or $13, and then to use Roku, you had to get the premium. I, I don't even know. I, I thought the 12 or $13 was like what it would cost if you purchased a full year. So that was the monthly rate if you purchased a full year of service. Oh, It'd be oh $13 I see. a month. Okay. But uh, if you wanted a one month pass, it was going to be twenty nine ninety five. Okay. Anyways, I didn't watch the games. Um, didn't listen to it because this was a weekend and we were running around a whole lot. Uh, had the basketball game on on Saturday right before the Saturday game. Our man, Keith Patrick, from the Dinger Derby podcast made the trip out there. So he watched those games in person um, for the a vastly more in-depth review of the weekend. You have to check out his podcast from this past week. 
But real briefly, the team went 0-2 in Frisco. Um, they played Friday night against Nebraska, um, and then they played Saturday against Mississippi State. The Sunday Sunday game got canceled because of weather. The first two games were played in just apparently pretty awful conditions. It was cold. It was still pretty humid. The yeah. field conditions were were pretty bad. Um, just overall, you you struggled at the plate. You're starting pitching. Uh, well, Caleb Killian kind of struggled a little bit, supposedly. And I, I say that not to like discredit um, Keith any, but uh, Caleb Killian was probably sick this week with the flu, so he, he missed out on some time, some some normal practice time, and he he still got out there to, to throw on Saturday, but um, you just you had you can you put up some just really bad numbers across the board, whether it was offensive, defensive, or on the mound. Um, outside of like Dane Haveman and Erickson Landing, I think they both did really well. Um, you saw this really interesting lineup change on Saturday. You had a defensive replacement or substitution when Drew Baker was pulled out of the game early, and it was it happened right after he committed an error. Um, and then uh, the transfer from Arkansas, Easton Morrell, took his place. I think he ended up having a, a, an error as well, but. Baker's kind of struggled a little bit there at shortstop. That's really rare to see in any level of baseball, right? Yeah, and it's definitely something that you don't really see from from Tadlock uh, to make that kind of like defense adjustment. Like there, yeah. there have been some offense adjustments where late in the game where you need to run or or you need you need to make a you just a, a line rally. You, you start tinkering with. Um, I need a pinch hitter, and then I need to find the pinch hitters defensive replacement, right? So you start making those kind of switches, but you don't usually see that early on in the game after a, a defensive error. Um, so yeah, not, not the end of the world that you lost two games. This is a nearly 60 game season. You got plenty to go. Um, you're building all kinds of great experience early in the season, playing really quality teams. Um, it's going to help you, once you get into conference play, you're still a couple of weeks out from starting conference play. Um, and then any kind of postseason aspirations you have, you'll be able to draw from your experience in these early, tough non-conference games. Currently, the team is out in San Diego. They got a two-week, sorry, two-game midweek series with the Aztecs. One of them is currently going on Tuesday night. They've got one more Wednesday afternoon. Um, not broadcast games, like not TV broadcast games. You can find them on the Texas Tech Sports Network. So, uh, Learfield, uh, Learfield IMG College. Yes, I was listening to it on the way over here. And if you would like a score update, I would love a score update. Texas Tech is currently good. up. Ooh, that's good news. Five one. Ooh, like in that. the top of the seventh. And I have not been keeping up with it because it started right before we started rolling on tonight's episode. Um. Just go back really quickly on the on the old Twitter. So yes, it's it the game first pitch was at eight p.m. Central. Um, it is ten thirty eight right now, and we're in the top of the seventh inning. So it's, it's a late night. Yep, Micah Dallas is currently pitching. I don't think he started. Um, this was from twelve minutes ago. Struck out five of the seven batters he's faced. 
he's doing pretty good. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm reading through the tweets and it's not really helping. Uh, so Micah Dallas came in. It doesn't show what inning. Well, he only pitched two. Fifth. He came in the bottom of the fifth. So, anyways, um, that's currently going on. San Diego State, and then you're home this weekend against, I believe it's Wichita State. Yes. You get Texas next weekend, but then you then you then again have more non-conference. You still have a weekend series against uh, Michigan. I'm not sure why you play Texas. Yeah. Not when you finish your non-conference slate. but It, it seems kind of odd to open up. I mean, I understand the midweek games, but to open up Big 12 play and have a three-game series and then have another three-game series against Michigan the following weekend. But I don't know how baseball goes. That's how baseball go. Yeah, sorry. Okay. The two games this week against San Diego State this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Wichita State. This is a return trip from you playing out there a couple of years ago. You don't have a midweek series next week. Spring break. Spring break. Yep, you're right. That weekend you host Texas. And then the following weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you host Michigan. Um, you it looks like, okay, here's why that happened. It looks like you, you're kind of doing like this mini tournament and, and not like a true tournament style play, but both Michigan and Stetson are in town. So you and Michigan play three games Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Michigan and Stetson play on Saturday hmm. at Denlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. And then you have a two-game series with Stetson that starts on Sunday. So three games against Michigan. You're off on Saturday. Michigan has a, a doubleheader on Saturday. And then you play two games against Stetson. And then you start to really get into the meat of the, the conference schedule. Kansas State, New Mexico, Kansas, New Mexico State, West Virginia, Duke, Baylor, New Mexico, Oklahoma State, UTRGV, Oklahoma, FIU, and TCU. Good times. Lots of good baseball coming up. Lots and lots of baseball. Hopefully the you get fewer and fewer games affected and canceled because of weather. Yeah, two so far this year. More opportunity to see the games. Yeah, you've had um at least two because you had one like opening weekend. The four game series against Oklahoma got canceled. You're right. There's three. You had one this past weekend. So that's two. Well, and I th- I thought one of the no, I, I guess it is just two. I, I can go back and look at the schedule. My bad. I was... No, I I think I'm I think I'm completely wrong. the The four game series we only played three against Oregon. The right. Monday game was canceled. Yep, you've had two games canceled: one against Oregon, one against Sam Houston State. Which would have been a good game for them to play. Not I'm not saying weather wise. Just Sam Houston State is a is a team that kind of has text number, and they seem to be a a tough team every year. That would have been mm-hmm. good for Tech to play them. They probably would have yep. learned learned a few things. It's it's too bad they weren't able to. Well, learn something. Yeah. You know, that's what we like to do is learn stuff. Learn something good. Um, 
All right. You want to learn something? You want to talk about what we learned? Uh, sure. You go first. What did you learn this week, Spencer? Um, I wasn't really ready to answer that question either, but I would think, um, you got something? Why don't you I remembered mine. Okay. I learned. We're so prepared tonight. Well, I, um, a friend of, no, my aunt loaned my mom a book, a Michael Crichton book called Micro. Okay. Spoiler alert. If, if you have read this book or, or intend to read it, you can probably just stop now. You're not going to miss much. <laughs> so I learned that it's okay to stop reading a book because the premise of this book was, was really dumb and oh. I couldn't get past it. <laughs> Here we go. It's, I got a, a quarter away through the book and the, and the book is called micro and it's, it's obviously about this new technology, this nanotechnology that exists uh, by this kind of mysterious company that seems to be covering up stuff and they're kind of doing some shady things in Hawaii, of course. Techno thriller novel by Michael Crichton. Right. Published posthumously. Well. 2011. That I guess that makes sense because it was co-written with someone else. Richard Preston. Yes. I knew there were two authors on it. But the premise, I, w- I was hooked. I was into it. It kind of turned, it started out as... Um, you know, this guy's brother disappears mysteriously and the people, and he worked for this company that's coming up with this nanotechnology and it definitely seemed to be related to the two. So the, the guy goes to Hawaii to kind of figure out what happens. Goes to Oahu. I'm reading the synopsis on Wikipedia. Our, oh. our, our good friends at Wiki. Yeah. Wiki, Wiki. Anyway, what, what the secret technology is, you find out about a quarter of the way through the book. It's not that they're yeah, making. That seems awfully early. Agreed. To make a reveal. That's, it's not that they're making really small machines. It's that they figured out how to shrink things. And so they're shrinking all these machines, but they're also shrinking people to operate them. Oh, it was just the way it was done. The way, (laughs) the way the reveal was made it, this, this guy practically killed this guy's brother and he and all of his um, grad student friends are down in Oahu to check out this technology. And the brother finds out that the, you know, the main president of the company killed his, his brother and broadcasts it to everybody. And so the main president of the company kind of just loses it and puts them all in the room where they shrink things. And so he shrinks like nine grad students to where they're about two centimeters tall. And then he puts them in a plastic bag and then he's going to start feeding them to animals Oh my gosh! to, to, to get rid of the, you were, I know you I, were, I, was, <laughs> I was like, what's behind me. No, no. He was pointing to me to get close to the microphone, but, like, but it was so enthralled. Yeah. It was about a quarter of the way in. That was the reveal. And I just have this image of, someone carrying a plastic bag full of people grad students of grad students (laughs) into this room with you know prairie dogs and venomous snakes and all this stuff and i I just couldn't take it and then i skimmed through and apparently they of course naturally they get away at the towards the end of that chapter and the woman who was in a relationship with the brother who died who also is kind of we're not sure how good she is or not 
She has them in her purse. Do you know what this sounds like? Honey, Honey. I shrunk the kids. Yes. (laughs) I do know what it sounds like. Anyway, uh, I learned that it's okay to just stop reading a book when it just gets that. I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't take it seriously anymore. So doing a quick Google search on Michael Crichton, his images, I was like, oh my gosh, he looks like Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Does he really? (laughs) He looks exactly like him. I'm going to turn that the computer around to show you. All right, let me see. And see if I can. Like a, like a young, a young Alec Baldwin. No. You see it? Like this he one kinda, specifically. He kind of looks like a cross between Alec Baldwin and Stephen Colbert. Oh, I don't I don't see Baldwin at all. I don't know well, where you're seeing that. M- maybe it was on the thumbnail size image and not the, yeah. the fuller, more full size. Um, That's what I learned. That, that took longer than I probably meant for it to. Sorry, everybody. It's actually really interesting that, well that they, they found unfinished manuscripts on his computer and then they went off and found an author to finish the books and then publish them. Well, Cause, I, it, cause I found two. I was really enjoying this premise until the reveal because that, you know, it's kind of junk science that's explaining this <laughs> stuff, which, and I get it. I'm, I'm on board with it. That's fine. If you're reading fiction, you just kind of have to sustain Especially, you know, reading kind of a science fiction type thing, basically. And you just, you're okay with it. You live with certain rules. And this, I just couldn't get past the imagery. Okay. I, I couldn't. Are you ready for this? I am ready. On June 26, 2015, DreamWorks announced plans for a film adaptation of Micro. With under development... From Steven Spielberg. You wonder why it's been developed for four years? Because no one can figure out how the hell to make it not hilarious. <laughs> Just, but I'm also thinking about that scene in like Willy Wonka. Yeah. Well, not Willy Wonka. But yeah, Charlie no. in, the, in the Chocolate Factory. Well, thing. Mike TV. Mike TV. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he did. I think it's in both of them. Yeah. <laughs> he puts him in his pocket or something. That's it. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. There's of. nothing. There, there's. There, Unless it's Ant Man, which I haven't seen Ant Man, they That's somehow also kind of ridiculous too. Right? It's but they they acknowledge that it's ridiculous. I think. I mean, you can't have Paul Rudd be a superhero, no, and mm-hmm. and, and him not be a little bit playing playing you know to the audience that he knows this is this is kind of crazy and it's fun, but y'all are along for the ride. But this is dead serious stuff. <laughs> this this guy was he shrunk all these grad students. And was going to feed him to animals to cover up that and he had killed the brother. Okay. I was like, I don't remember if you mentioned why that he was shrinking them. Yeah. That well, they, they knew because the, the brother, the, uh, the, the brother that was still alive found out and ratted him out in front of everybody. Cause he thought, ah, oh, if I tell everyone, <laughs> you can't kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 wait, no, no. He'll just shrink them all. There's just no way. That's why it's, Four years later, we haven't heard a peep about this from Spielberg or DreamWorks or anybody because they're all going, well, how do you make someone two centimeters tall not hilarious? I've seen Downsized, which is an awful movie. Don't see Downsized. Terrible. What's that one about? Uh, It's Matt Damon. The solution to overcrowding the planet is everyone should get smaller. And 
So people sign up for this program to where you can downsize and your money goes way further. Like I forgot what it was. $1 is a hundred dollars or something in the downsize world because everything's so small. So it's irreversible, obviously. Oh, another thing they mentioned in micro is that this is reversible. So you can, <laughs> you can, <laughs> the exasperation, you could be hands. shrunk to two centimeters and then be right back to six feet at some point. I, I anyway, but yeah, downsized. That's basically the, the theme behind it, but it's, it's three or four different movies in one movie that they keep, you know, Matt Damon and his wife are kind of going through a, some stuff and then spoiler alert on this too. Uh, Cause this is a terrible movie. Don't go see it. But they, they agree to downsize and then she backs out, but he doesn't know. And so he downsizes, but she doesn't. <laughs> Whoops. And so then that's the end of that marriage. And so he's trying to figure out his new downsized life in this gigantic mansion because he could afford it. Um, and then I think something else happened with his family. Anyway, then he gets sucked into this, the, the, this other world where people are living, the people that do the service work and stuff in the downsized area. It's definitely not posh and all that. Like, uh, the people are paying for. So he kind of gets into that and somehow they journey across the world as little people (laughs) to, to go to a, a cave that's, going to protect them from the end of the world i don't even know the, the it just went off the tracks that movie i i think my wife fell asleep and i wish i would have but i just couldn't i just couldn't look away so that movie grossed 55 million dollars against their production budget of 76 million they lost 21 million dollars on that movie matt, a matt damon movie lost 21 million dollars during Yikes. the holidays. Yikes. That was why we went because it was December 22nd, 2017. Yeah. You're like, oh man, you know, it's holidays. It's cold. Let's go see a movie. Get Womp. mom, get mom to watch the kid. It's been like $45 at the theater <laughs> to see this. Oh, that sucks. Flop. <laughs> All right. So unsurprising to what we've already talked about, what I've learned, um, just the destructive properties of beef ribs. <laughs> I'm I'm just they were the hard so, way. so so tasty but like my goodness I don't know if I'm going to do that again. Which is it, it's it's unfortunate because like it was really good and smoking on this pellet smoker is just so easy. Yeah, it is. I was like it 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 took some effort and that I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to get it ready in time for everybody to be over here, which I, that's fine. Yeah, but if it, if you were I like it, you guys. Right. Well, so. if you were just planning a cookout <laughs> but not around a mid-afternoon basketball game. I could have planned it for dinner and gotten up at a, a at a normal seven, time. I could have got up at seven o'clock yeah. on a Saturday instead of four. No big deal. You'd have had those things done by six or seven, no problem. But you had to have them done between like three and four. Uh, yeah. So I got up at four, trimmed it, put on the smoker right before five, and I pulled it off at two thirty. So it ran a good nine and a half hours, but. Tasty. They were easy, but oh my goodness. It tore me up. What is the, uh, from what's, the flow up? What is the motto? You only live once. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not oh, where I was on. going. That was 
That was that was a, that was a perfect job. <laughs> Dead gummit. Just um, it's not even worth going back for. Okay. Well, the only thing or uh, the thing that would keep me from going back and doing beef ribs again, besides what happened, is the price. They're a little pricey. I think we got this one. It was air quotes on sale for only seven dollars a pound, and it was an eight pound rack. We still spent nearly sixty bucks on it. Well, see, I think that's where I was going back to. Always in moderation. Yeah, I applies to beef ribs and many other things in life. Yeah. So I guess I, I had leftovers tonight. Labar kept loading up, man. Labar had a lot of beef rib on that plate. And I really thought about that. I was like Which is, so, I was like, that's a lot of beef rib. I, I that could that could cause some issues later. <laughs> out of out of concern for my, my fellow staking the planers. Uh, that were over here. I I asked, like, "Hey, did you do you guys have any issues Saturday night?" Because <laughs> I I I was trying to make sure that like it wasn't like food poisoning. Yeah, somehow I, you hadn't contaminated the food or whatever. Uh, Labar said he he also experienced some distress. Correct. And I, he didn't give us the details. It, it, it doesn't matter. M- my details were I didn't get any sleep Saturday night because I thought I was going to throw up. So it was like more of a I'm going to be vomiting sick and it. It didn't happen. I, I didn't get sick. I just had like just a really uncomfortable night. I was good to go, man. Slept like a rock. Go, but you had the least amount of beef rib yes. between all of us. That was that was highly calculated. <laughs> and he gave us no warning. Well, I, what what do I know? Who am I to who am I to just? I was like, oh, by the way, this is gonna tear you up. You know, you, you no you, nothing. You don't want to assume anything. Y'all, y'all may have consumed beef ribs many a many a time, and I so don't want to just show up and hey, guys, y'all are y'all. <laughs> you're, you're hitting the sauce y'all a little hard. <laughs> this is this is not going to end well, guys. Y'all don't have the tolerance for this. <laughs> y'all don't have the tolerance for I've, this beef I've, rib. I've had beef rib once before, and it was at Evie Mays, and it was. I, I didn't eat all of it. I may have had a half or a third of the meat portion they served me. I took the rest home and ate it like over another two leftovers meals. Don't remember there being any issues then, but it was also, like I said, at, I, I ate smaller quantities. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that was all. It. <laughs> and the repeat tonight would have been just because it was like, Oh, you're doing this again? Okay. <laughs> that is totally what you learned this week. That was bad news. You learned that B- beef rib does have a uh, a bit of a degree of difficulty. <laughs> it does. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned to try like my hand at a brisket now. Just make sure I don't want to do that again. Uh, you'll be fine. The, the lean. But that's, I, I just want, eat the you lean. Want, <laughs> you, you make brisket for the burn ends, not for the, the sliced. Yeah, well, you got to be careful. You just got to. <laughs> I've learned that now. <laughs> All right. Um, going yard still, it's too cold to get out there. I have yet to put down the pre-emergent. Michael, you're ahead of me, but you also paid somebody to do it. I'm trying to stretch it yep. out because the later I put it down, the longer it'll last, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, we it, had it, freezes. It's, it's still going to last the, the two or whatever months it's going to last. But if I put it down later before everything starts growing and then getting killed off by the freeze... It just means I, whatever. I so, really need to start watering my yard again, but I f- should probably get the sand and the dirt out of it first. That's I've been the price of living in West Texas. About once a week, like a, a really heavy watering once a week. Um, 
the sides of my yards. I actually was out there this afternoon. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get out here and mow. No, that's that's terrible. Oh, I love it. But Don't it's like in March. But here's the thing: is like I, I need to go rake up all the, the tumbleweed debris. I probably said this many many times. Um, first, there are still some tumbleweeds stuck on that side of the yard, and you throw over my fence into my backyard and then into the alley because there's nothing else to do with it. But I mean, I don't have a place to burn it. Yeah, that's true. I have a grill that smokes that burns pellets. That's not, that's not a good place to put them. Um, I don't have a fire pit or anything. You so take anyways, it to the dump. Get haul it, haul a, it in AKA here. my, uh, my, my alley where the rest of the tumbleweeds <laughs> are. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to happen soon ish. Put down my prodiamine be good to go. That's a made up word. I'm going to protect me against that crabgrass <laughs> that'll come out this summer and then I'll reapply in the fall to get me for those weeds that everybody sees now. All right. Anyways, um, I'm, I'm a little sad. We didn't, we didn't put together a, uh, a listening recommendation for you guys this week to, to send you out on. Yeah, I got nothing. Michael's got nothing. He really, I phoned it in this week. Y'all already knew that though. You really did. I was, I, I just had a thought of a song too and I just completely blanked on it. But for us here at the 23 personnel podcast, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, appreciate all the interaction you guys provide on, on the social media. Keep that up. Let us know how you're enjoying the show. Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things on any of your podcast services. For Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks for tuning in.